Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Making abandoned mines usable again. On this episode of Parts Per Billion, we talk about legislation that might give coal country a whole lot of money to reclaim deserted mining sites. You know, you go down there and it looks like the surface of Mars. And why all that money might actually not be enough. Hello and welcome to another episode of Parts Per Billion, the bi-weekly environmental policy podcast from Bloomberg BNA. I'm your host, David Schultz. It's no secret that things are really tough in coal country. A natural gas boom, the rise in renewables, concern about carbon emissions. All these factors have caused coal prices to crater, and they don't show any signs of uncratering, to coin a phrase. That's been devastating for much of the Appalachian region of the U.S., where for generations coal was the single driving force in the local economy. Some relief may be on the way in the form of the Reclaim Act, a bill currently working its way through the waning hours of this session of Congress. The bill provides funding to take abandoned mine sites and turn them into something that is basically usable again. Over a five-year period, it would allocate a billion dollars to a number of projects up and down the Appalachians. Bloomberg BNA mining reporter Stephen Lee took a trip to southern West Virginia, and he spoke to people who live near some of these ex-mines. Putting aside the question of whether the Reclaim Act will even get through Congress, and of course we'll get to that in a minute, Lee says there are very real questions about whether mine reclamation is really just a band-aid over a fatal economic wound. He also says the bill's $1 billion might not go as far as you'd think because, well, there are a lot of abandoned mines. It's money that is going to be used to essentially clean up mines, older mines, mines that have been abandoned, so pre-1977. There's a lot of those around. Under the Reclaim Act, the money also has to be used for what they call sort of strategic purposes. So it's not enough just to clean up the mine, but they also want to do it in a way that is promoting the local economy going forward. So turning it into a park maybe or some kind of tourism area or maybe turning the the old mine land into a wind farm, that kind of thing. So it's not just taking a negative and making it neutral, it would be taking a negative and making it positive in terms of its economic impact. But why is this necessary in the first place? What, what, what are the economic problems that exist in these mines that, that have been abandoned or, or that are, are no longer in operation? The coal industry general, in general has really taken a, a turn for the worse. And a lot of these areas, uh, they are mono-economies. The, all they do is mine coal extract coal from the earth. They really don't have other kinds of industries. There's really no other jobs for people. 
And so when the coal sector started really tanking, a very large percentage of the people there were thrown out of work. And so that's why the idea is let's let's promote the economy. You know, the, the actual reclamation itself, that's going to require people. We'll hire people, you know, to do that. And then if we can bring people to these towns for tourism or if we can create some kind of, you know, industrial park, if we can do sort of local agriculture, then that's a way of transitioning out of coal into some other kind of uh, economic model. But why can't they use the land now? Is there a problem with the soil? Is there a problem with the water? You know, why can't they just build a park on it right now? What's, what's the, what needs to be done? Well, you're right. Some of it is very heavily polluted. The water is polluted. It needs to be cleaned up. It's also, uh, a lot of it is just aesthetically not pleasing. You know, if you want to transition into ecotourism, you know, you go down there and it looks like the surface of Mars. I mean, in some places there's no grass, there's no vegetation. It's just piles and piles of rock. And you actually did go down to, to uh, coal country. You went to southern West Virginia and spoke with some folks down there, including uh, a guy by the name of Chad Cordell, who is with this group, uh, the Kana Forest Coalition which is an environmental group out there, and he talked to you about what some of the uh, unintended environmental consequences of these mines are. Strip mining, and particularly mountaintop removal, is built on this mountain of false assumptions. The regulatory agencies have to accept these assumptions in order for any of this to be legal. It requires really suspending reality and accepting a whole fantasy world that strip mines won't pollute water, that strip mines won't impact nearby communities, that strip mines won't impact the land outside the permit area. So the Reclaim Act would allocate a billion dollars to these communities for reclamation. Why is that uh, necessary? Why, you know, a billion dollars seems like quite a bit of money to me. Why is, uh, why will it take so much money to reclaim these areas? Well, what's so difficult about this? Well, remember, and these are pre-1977 mines, so there's nobody out there who is responsible for cleanup. There's no one that the government can go after to, to pay for this. They're, they're old mines. I think there are environmentalists who really think that this is a good start, but there has to be a lot more done. Yeah, and in fact, you spoke with uh, one of those environmentalists, Aaron Savage, with the group Appalachian Voices, who talked about just the monumental challenges of restoring this area to what it once was. It's really hard, obviously, to return the ridgelines to their original height. Uh, it's really hard to return the topsoil. You end up with an area that uh, ends up looking pretty barren, difficult to grow things on, not always used for um, any sort of beneficial purpose after the mine leaves. The one we're looking at now is in pretty early stages of reclamation, so it's hard to say you know, what it's going to end up looking like five or ten years down the road or what it's going to be used for. And that's if the Reclaim Act passes. What if it doesn't? We'll get into the politics of mine reclamation in a second, but first, let's take a quick break to talk about Bloomberg BNA's Daily Environment Report. It's a source of comprehensive coverage of the day's top environmental news, and it features reporting from Stephen, myself, and all the other reporters you regularly hear from on Parts Per Billion. Start a free trial of Daily Environment Report by visiting bna.com slash dailypodcast. That's bna.com slash daily hyphen podcast.
So we're back and we're talking about the $1 billion mine reclamation bill currently winding its way through Congress. Obviously, there's not a lot of time for this bill to clear both chambers after this week's Thanksgiving recess. There are barely more than a dozen working days left before the new Congress comes in and the slate is wiped clean. However, Lee says this bill does enjoy one particular advantage. It's got both Democratic and Republican backers. It was originally, you know, the the Obama administration's idea, and it's now sponsored in the House by a Republican, Congressman Hal Rogers. Who also happens to be the the chair of the Appropriations Committee. He's a very powerful uh, member of Congress. Correct. And that's one reason why people think it does have uh, a decent chance in the House. It does appear to be a truly bipartisan bill. Democrats like it because environmentalists want this money. They want to clean up the land. And Republicans in coal states like it because this is money for their state and for their for their communities. And yet, um, the, that all being said, the current session of Congress is ending after two years. This bill still hasn't been passed. Congress has weeks, uh, maybe only days to act on it. Why is this taking so long? Why is this only coming up now? And given that there's so little time left, do you really think that uh, this has a decent chance of getting through? Uh, I'm told that it has about a 20% chance in the House, which is, you know, not great, but it's a chance. As far as why it's taken this long, you know, it's a good question. I think it has just taken this long for everyone to get their ducks in a row and for, you know, everything to get on the runway and to to, to get lined up. The other issue is that the bill has not been introduced in the Senate. And I'm told that the problem there is that Republicans in the Senate are focusing on a different mine-related bill that would provide for health care and pensions for former minors. And there seems to be either a confusion about, you know, the difference between these two bills or just a desire to, you know, we only want to do one mining-related thing at a time, so let's take care of the health care and pensions and then focus on uh, the Reclaim Act. So this bill may ultimately be doomed by miscommunication between the House and the Senate. When it gets this late in the session, these things happen. And that's our episode for this week. We were speaking with Bloomberg BNA's Stephen Lee. For more of his reporting on mining and other environmental issues, visit our website at bna.com. Parts Per Billion was produced by myself with help from Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. Special production help this week came from Marissa Horn. The music tracks for Parts Per Billion are A Message and Look Inside by Jazar. They were used under a Creative Commons attribution share like license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.